0: So to the ladies of the church, we say Happy Mother's Day 2021. Um, I'm not sure it to 2020, but it did exist, uh, but we're in 2021 already. Um, it's sad that we uh, can't meet as we'd like to, you know, all come together without restraint and, and properly bless you, like the sort of leaders were trying to work out some, some logistics of uh, uh, doing something, uh, um, something sort of generous. Um, and then you come across these different things you're like, oh yeah, that won't work and that won't work. So uh, uh, we're going to have to uh, uh, ask you to give us a rain check on uh, uh, that. But um, regardless of whether you're a sort of a biological uh, mum or not, uh, we want to recognise today uh, that each and every uh, female adult believer that's um, part of us brings something of motherhood to this congregation. We recognise that you pray for us possibly the greatest thing a mother can do for their children is to pray for them. And you pray for us and you serve us in so many ways. And bless her, uh, one mom who should be uh, uh, just being spoiled today, she came along and bought us cheese scones. Uh, and it, it was just a, a fantastic uh, heart there. And uh, they model Christ to us in a, in a different way to the, uh, to the guys. Um, and it is incredibly vital. That, that we see that in our congregation there, um, that, that we have this the fullness of God uh, revealed through uh, different people. So we, we thank you for all your efforts and your hard work and your uh, involvement and um, we pray today that uh, no matter how conspicuous or hidden your expressions of love here are, uh, we pray that you know you're valued. We. Love you and we uh, appreciate you, and uh, uh, we pray that uh, God may bless you, uh, especially on uh, Mother's Day. So, um, one of the uh, great things about Scripture is that it's not just a series of instructions or meditations. Um, it's good to have wise words, you know, it's good to have Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, which is a series of of things that is really great to do like love your neighbour, love your enemies even Um, and it's good to have like these profound theological thoughts like you sort of look through the book of Romans and you find these uh, uh, reflections on redemption that are just awe-inspiring and and, and just uh, cause us to worship God and marvel at this uh, the way this we've been saved. However, if that's all the Bible was, it, some might find it a little bit dry. If it was all instruction and theological reflection, some of us may find that difficult to get into and some of us would be like, you know, it's just too much, I can't bear it. Telling someone they need to climb a hill is all well and good, but inspiring them with your own adventures of mountaineering is even better. And so the Bible is made so much more alive with its inclusion of real life illustrations. You know, real men and women uh, who have sort of lived out their lives with a desire to know God and demonstrate him to others. And and we see it in their own time and space. Um, Some of you Uh, may already be familiar with uh, her writings but Francine Rivers is this uh, excellent um, author Uh, and what she does she takes famous biblical characters and transforms them into great uh, novels and stories Uh, and uh, uh, this is A a Lineage of Grace which is uh, uh, one of the ones she's written Um, and it says this in the foreword of her book Dear reader, you're about to read five novellas on the women in the lineage of Jesus Christ. These were Eastern women who lived in ancient times, and yet their stories apply to our lives and the difficult issues we face in our world today. They were on the edge. They had courage. They took risks. They did the unexpected. They lived daring lives, and sometimes they made mistakes, big mistakes. These women were not perfect and yet God in his infinite mercy used them in his perfect plan to bring forth the Christ, the saviour of the world. We live in desperate troubled times when millions seek answers. These women point the way. The lessons we can learn from them are as applicable today as when they lived thousands of years ago. Tamar is a woman of hope. Rahab is a woman of faith. Ruth. Is a woman of love. Bathsheba is a woman who received unlimited grace, and Mary is a woman of obedience. These are historical women who actually live. Their stories, as I have told them, are based on biblical accounts. Although some of their actions may seem disagreeable to us in our century, we need to consider the women in their context. I'll leave it there. So, Today, we're going to look at an inspiring story of a mother in scripture, and it should, I hope, challenge um, our faith, cause us to look again at ourselves. Um, It is at a pivotal moment in Israel's history. Men are absent from the story. Women stand strong, there isn't any fighting, but there is palpable danger. There are guts and there are belief in abundance. Now hopefully everyone in our congregation is familiar with the story of Moses. Um, I really have done a terrible job, if uh, you don't know who Moses is, Um, And I'm sorry. Um, He's the murderer who challenged the ruler of Egypt. He was the shy guy who parted an ocean. He was the old man who brought Israel to the cusp of the promised land. In Numbers 26, we are told who his parents are. They were Amran and Jochebed. I want to tell you this morning about Jochebed. If you've got a Bible, turn to Exodus chapter 1. It says this in uh, Exodus chapter 1, verse 22. Just going to read one verse initially. Then Pharaoh gave this order to all his people. Every Hebrew boy that is born, you must throw into the Nile, but let every girl live. The vast and fearsome empire of Egypt, this dominant force that enslaved masses, this creator of the pyramids of Giza and the Valley of the Kings this uh, accumulator of wealth and prosperity, this uh, incredible kingdom feared the Israelite men and they sought to systematically kill them, kill all of them uh, the moment they knew they were male. But little did Pharaoh know that he needed to have feared the women as much as the men, that God-fearing women would ultimately undo his rule. You see, it would be the action of one devoted mother that would lead to the very gods of Egypt being defied. Read this with me in Exodus chapter 2. Just a a continuation of this uh, story. It says this, just going to read a couple of verses. Now, a man of the tribe of Levi, and we know his name is Amram. Uh, it says it later on in Exodus and in Numbers. Um, married a Levite woman, and we know her name is Jochebed from Exodus and uh, Numbers twenty-six. And she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. When she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. So Amran marries Jochebed, um, they are fruitful um, and they enjoy their firstborn. Their firstborn is a uh, young girl and they called her Miriam. She isn't mentioned yet in the text but she comes in, she's there, she's waiting to have her moment. Her presence is then felt throughout her brother's life. Um, She's an extraordinary lady, is Miriam. She's a thinker, she's a prophet, and she is a worship leader. In Exodus 15, we find this glorious moment when Israel's finally released from Egypt's clutches. And she leads a nation in in worship. Uh, as her people are overcome with emotion at finally being free and finally leaving slavery behind she becomes a focus for their attention. She plays her instrument and the happy women of Israel follow in her lead and she creates this atmosphere of worship and adoration and praise that fills a nation full of joy. They uh, articulate graceful and energetic praise with dancing and singing and musical instruments. And as Yahweh is lifted up, the nation uh, just joins her in her celebration. This Miriam, this lady that will take such centre stage again and again in the narrative, she looks on as a young girl and sees her brother being born. Sees Moses being born. So Jochebed, she looks at her son. And do you know what she says? She says he is tall. She says he is good. And that's not just he's good he's lovely the text the Hebrew text uses the very same word that God uses for creation in Genesis 1 when God looks at creation he says it is good and it's not just oh that's lovely that's cute it's beautiful it's excellent it's harmonious it's majestic all these words are infused in this and this mother looks on her son and she says he is tall, he is good he is beautiful he is excellent how much better would our lives be if we were able to recognize those moments in our lives If we weren't so distracted with the next thing or the next worry or the next anxiety and be able to look at what God has given us in our hands and say, that is tobe, that is good, that is something God has been involved with, that is something God has given me, that is a moment of grace that I could never deserve. How awesome is this moment? But despite Moses' radiance and beauty, and to be honest, he was another uh, pink uh, um, sort of mess of mucus and everything else that probably only a mother could love. Um, She knows that the Egyptians want to kill him. Miriam was safe, but Moses was now a danger. They want to murder him. They don't want him to rise up against them. They don't want them to threaten the power base. And she has probably seen friends and family's children die. She has probably known the heartache of seeing nephews being executed. The law says that this little life in her hands is inconvenient and dangerous. That is what the law says. The law of the land says your child cannot live for the sake of our safety. For the sake of uh, the harmony of society. You need to give your son up to death. But this mother sees her Moses who is very tall. And she treasures him. And I don't know how she does it. Apparently she hides him. Um, that seems to be almost an impossible task if you think of what a, uh, um, a newborn to a, a three-month-old kid will be like. Um, do you notice that there's no dad? There's no men in this episode. Where is Amram? We're told that they knew he, who he was. We're told twice who Moses' dad was. Where was he? when Jochebed was marvelling at her son. Well, this isn't scriptural. This isn't definitely true. But there is other Jewish literature that says Amram divorced Jochebed. Why? Because she had a son. He apparently, and he's quoted as saying, we are toiling for nothing, All our boys will be killed anyway. He's like, why bother being married? The Egyptians are just going to cut him out. The Egyptians are ruling and we just live in futility. And so he pushed her away. It may be. So this is not uh, definitely true. Uh, But this is something preserved by uh, the Jewish historians. It may be this mother was divorced just as she gave birth to Moses. But she is still a devoted mother. Her husband's abandoned her, but she's seen the toll in her son. And she nurtures this young life in secret. Normally a mother loves to show her uh, child off to the world, parading through the streets. Look at me, I'm blessed of all women. And normally you would see Instagram posts and Facebook posts at every opportunity. While to the rest of the world it looks exactly like the same photo again and again. To the mother they can see this is this moment, this is that moment. And she has to bury her boasting. Because Egypt is watching and waiting. Let me read on with the text. Says this in Exodus chapter 2, verse 3. But when she could hide him no longer, and <laughs> mums are going, Yeah, I know when that happens. When hide him no longer, she got a papyrus basket for him and coated it with tar and pitch. Then she placed the child in it and put him among the reeds along the bank of the Nile. His sister, Miriam, who we know, stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. And then Pharaoh's daughter went down into the Nile to bathe, and her attendants were walking along the bank. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her female slave to get it. She opened it, and when she saw the baby, he was crying, and she felt sorry for him. This is one of the Hebrew babies, she said. Then his sister, Miriam, asked Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and get out one of the get one of the Hebrew women to nurse this baby for you yes go she answered so the girl went and got the baby's mother and Pharaoh's daughter said to her take this baby and nurse him for me and I will pay you and so the woman took the baby and nursed him and when the child grew older she took him to Pharaoh's daughter and he became her son and she named him Moses saying I drew him up out of the water like every story of every mother that has ever lived, there is tears of joy and sadness. It is an emotional roller coaster. Jochebed sees this toad in her child, and she knows that she cannot hide him anymore. And so she takes the initiative rather than just hiding him until the, the Egyptian soldiers come to t- t- take him out. She takes the initiative and she goes to the Nile. Goes to this river that runs through the kingdom of Pharaoh. That runs and is the life source for much of Egypt. And she puts him in a basket. Prepares it. Covers it in this pitch and tar and makes it watertight and safe. The soldiers won't execute this little man. Uh, without overcoming her steely resistance, without overcoming her cunning and wily approach. And then as she leaves him in this basket and she prays, Dear God, keep him from the Egyptian soldiers. A miracle happens. Something wonderful. Something that changes the destiny of a nation. The only person in the entire kingdom of Egypt, who could flout Pharaoh's laws, who could ride roughshod over the laws of the land, suddenly he comes across this little baby. There's no one else anywhere that could have done what she did. But Pharaoh's daughter comes across this baby, this princess of Egypt, this lady with all the wealth that she could command discovers this little life and he cries out and she's touched and she defies the king she rides roughshod over his rules she is rebellious like many a daughter out there and she does it her own way and she wants to preserve this life it has sort of come to her mysteriously and miraculously and she wants to do something about it and then she's wondering what to do Miriam this lady that will lead a nation in praise and worship who is just a young girl sees pharaoh's daughter this um this center of power and authority and she cries out oi you over there do you need a mum for that this little girl shouts out to possibly the most powerful lady in the empire i've got a plan for you how about i go and get someone to look after that for you it's just remarkable it's mysterious it's a moment of bravery and she proposes this ready-made plan to save this hebrew boy and suddenly jochebed is invited from a place of uh, fear, she's invited into the presence of Pharaoh's daughter to look after her own son. Suddenly she is allowed to hold him and raise him up. Not only that, she is protected from the uh, evil of the kingdom by Pharaoh's daughter herself. She is safe as houses. And not only that, she's being paid for it. That's pretty good going, isn't it? Jochebed went from a place of abandoning her son to the Nile to a place of being paid to look after her own son in the royal household. The very dynasty that killed countless Israelite boys is now protecting the one that will be their undoing. Even in this place of wonderful provision, Jochebed still has pain. Moses is not named by her, but it's named by this other lady. And he will be brought up in a racist and violent royal family with no knowledge of Elohim. This Egyptian empire will raise Moses as its own. And the mother cannot help but uh, pray for him and feel uh, heartbreak over that. Jochebed probably died while Moses was in exile for murder. Nevertheless, my friends, I want us to be inspired by this mum's story. It has been told for thousands upon thousands of years. In her love, in her uh, ingenious love, she surrendered him to both the Nile River, which if you have seen it, is a merciless thing, and she surrendered it to Pharaoh's household. Again, which is... Uh, which uh, is a proven terrible force. And each time God took Moses and he rescued them from the worst effects of the Nile and the worst effects of Pharaoh and did incredible things with this mother's son. And so as I close, I don't know what stories are currently being told in your life what private tragedies you bear in your heart. But I do know that Jochebed reminds us that God is sovereign. He rules over things and does things in glorious ways that you will never imagine. He will use whatever we surrender to him for his glory, for his goodness, for an epic Story that suddenly you get to be part of. You may, like Jochebed, die before you see the full results and glory of the majesty of the story that God has told with your life. But you can trust him to bring victory where defeat seems certain. You can trust him to rescue your sons out of the Nile. You can trust him. To raise up a man in Pharaoh's own household that will lead a nation to freedom. I want to end with possibly uh, the greatest moment of surrender. The most, possibly the most famous mother that has ever lived, um, and her moment of surrender. And it's uh, told in Francine Rivers' uh, uh, book. Uh, and uh, says this. A strange tingling sensation spread over her skin. Her hair prickled as she raised her head and she saw a man standing before her. Heart thumping with terror, she stared at him for she had never seen anyone like him before. Was it merely the sun at his back that made him look so terrifying? Greetings, favoured woman, the Lord is with you. Trembling, she sat still and silent, wondering at his words. She shut her eyes tightly and then opened them again. He was still standing there, looking down at her with kind patience. What did this greeting mean? Were well, not all God's chosen people favored, and why did he say the Lord was with her? Was he the Lord? Fear filled him, and she closed her eyes again, for surely anyone who looked upon the Lord would die. Don't be frightened, Mary, for God has decided to bless you. A sob welled up in her throat, catching her of guard. For she wanted nothing more than to please God, but the Lord knew how undeserving she was. She blushed, remembering that only the moment before she had resisted the idea of marrying Joseph, though, she, though he loved God as much as she. And now this man said precious words. Now this man said precious words that filled her with joy. The stranger drew closer, his head inclined towards hers. You will become pregnant and have a son, and you are to name him Jesus. Jesus. The name the Lord saves. The angel was still speaking. He was very great. and will be called the son of the most high. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David. And he will reign over Israel forever. And his kingdom will never end. And Mary swallowed. Her mind whirling with the implications of his words. He was telling her that she would bear the Messiah. As soon as the words were uttered, she felt attacked by a chorus of dark voices. You! Why would the Lord choose anyone so low? The Messiah will not come from someone from Nazarene, from a peasant girl. What evil is this? That one so unworthy should dare to imagine she could bear the Messiah. Ignore this madman, look away from him. Reject what he says, close your eyes, say nothing. And yet another voice, a quiet voice, a voice her heart recognised. What is your answer Mary? She stood tilting her head as she stood up to the angel. But how can I have a baby? I am a virgin. And the angel smiled tenderly. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby born to you will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren but she is already in her sixth month and nothing is impossible with God. And Mary drew in her breath with a smile and clasped her hands. Oh, she knew how Elizabeth had always longed for a child. Nothing was impossible with God. Elizabeth would be like Sarah, who bore Isaac in her old age. She would be like Hannah, dedicating her son to the Lord. The news made Mary's faith leap. She wanted to race to Elizabeth and see this miracle for herself. But the angel stood in front of her, waiting for her answer. If she said yes, she would become the mother of the long-awaited Messiah. Why the Lord had chosen her to be part of his plan, she couldn't even guess. She was uneducated, poor, lived in an obscure village that most Jews disdained. Yet she also knew from listening to scripture, readings in the synagogue, that God often used the most unlikely, unworthy to fulfil his purposes. Didn't matter who she was. God would accomplish his purposes in every way. The angel of the Lord was asking her to be part of God's plan. And everything within her heart and soul cried out to a joyous yes. Do you really think you can be the Messiah's mother? Do you really think you will know how to rear God's son to be king over Israel? And the dark voices rose again. No, I won't. Her heart but God will. Gathering her courage, Mary looked up. I am the Lord's servant. She spread her hands. And I am willing to accept whatever he wants. May everything you have said come true. And as soon as she made her decision, the angel was gone, and she uttered a soft gasp of dismay. She would have thought she imagined the entire episode, had not the air still trembled around her. Shaken, she clutched her hands against her chest until she remembered the angel of the Lord had not said had said not to be afraid. And letting her breaths uh, lift. Letting out her breath softly, she knelt and lifted her face to heaven. She lifted her palms up, Lord, your will be done. Her skin tingled strangely as she saw a cloud coming down. She placed her hands over her heart as she was overshadowed. Closing her eyes, she breathed in the scent of spring flowers, earth and the heavens, and her skin warmed as her body flooded with sensation. She drew in her breath and held it. For one brief space and time, nothing moved. No sound was heard as all creation paused. Within the womb of a poor peasant girl from an obscure village in Galilee, God the Son became one with the seed of Adam. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Mother's Day in this moment to appreciate all that they bring. God, we thank you for the stories of mothers uh, through uh, scripture. We thank you for every moment they surrendered themselves to you, had faith when the men uh, gave up, believed that you could do something uh, when all seemed hopeless. Lord God, we thank you for Jochebed's story of faith and belief and hope. Lord God, we thank you for Mary's moment of surrender that brought in Jesus Christ to save the world. Lord God, we uh, acknowledge that the doors of history often swing on such small hinges and we just ask that like all these mothers, that every single one of us would surrender to your will. That we would give in not to the forces at large that seem too big for us, but that we would give in to your Holy Spirit and his guidance and that we would see your mighty story helped along by our small frail lives. Lord God, I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.